Blog Talk Radio. This episode of Attention Talk Radio is brought to you by children and adults with attention deficit hyperactivity disorder. Welcome to Attention Talk Radio, your ADHD information station where we help those with ADHD pay attention to attention. With your host, ADHD and attention coach, Jeff Topper. Good evening, everybody. Welcome to this edition of Attention Talk Radio. I'm your host, ADHD and attention coach, Jeff Copper. Our topic tonight, ADHD and emotions, its essence and management. Uh, We're going to get to the content in a moment. Before we do, we'd like to thank children and adults with attention deficit hyperactivity disorder for bringing this program to you. In celebration of that event, we're anxious to give away free digital copies of Attention Magazine. To get yours, just listen to our show. We'll be sharing a secret word a couple times. Write it down. Listen to another show um, and write down the secret word of that show and then just email me the, the two words. That's all you need to do. Email address is attention at attentiontalkradio.com. When we get it, we'll forward it to Chad. We'll get you a PDF copy of the current edition of Attention Magazine, and they'll send you a PDF copy of the next edition when it's in print. We have a little tip that we're going to share with you that Chad made, and we'll get into the show. When you have ADHD, putting in an eight-hour workday while maintaining maximum concentration can be a challenge. Here are some strategies to help. Make your physical environment less distracting. Use your laptop, smartphone, or alarm to track appointments and deadlines. Break up long tasks into shorter ones. Take breaks and walk around. Before you leave work, take five minutes to organize your work area for the next day. To learn more about workplace issues, visit chad.org. Thank you so much, Chad, for your continued support. For those that are not aware, Chad is the largest not-for-profit organization that advocates on behalf of those with ADHD. We encourage all of our listeners to either donate or become members to support Chad. Financial stability is really important for them to have the resources to have people lobbying uh, on Capitol Hill for the ADHD community and working with different regulatory agencies on wording to make sure that uh, those with ADHD get the accommodations that they need in order to thrive. Again, for more information, to donate or to uh, become a member, go to chadd.org. Okay, everybody. Today's going to be an interesting day. I, uh, what I want to do today is um, – you go out into the world and you get information out there and people kind of – the world's really getting emotional when you think about it. Uh, everything's sold to your emotions. Everything's kind of packaged and bundled to be appealing and kind of attractive. And one of the things that I find is sometimes it's helpful just to back up and look at things as, as kind of like a, a thing or an object and really maybe understand the essence of something. And today what I want to do is I want to share with you a way of thinking on a model that I have around emotions. And, you know, we can go out and we can do a lot of research and we, and particularly we can learn a lot about the brain and the mechanics and stuff of it. And that's, that's all real good stuff. But every day, like that doesn't translate very well into practical everyday use. Like one of the, like the analogy I say is I read a couple of books on how to play the guitar years ago when I picked up the guitar it really didn't do anything to help me play the guitar. I mean, I knew the theory of it, but I didn't really have it. So like sometimes when you're sitting down and you're, and you're, and you're doing things, it's helpful to kind of depart and have like some type of a mental model or understanding of something in order for you to kind of conceptually get it and interact it. And so today I, I want to share with you how I talk about emotions and how I work with clients on the topic of emotions as a means to take the emotion out of emotion and to help them begin to maybe understand what's really going on 
and how to manage it. So this show is, I'm not going to tell you it's research-based. It's really kind of the world according to Jeff. And I'll tell you, some people will like, wow, this is really, really good stuff. It, it won't work for everybody because we all have different perspectives, views, and beliefs around this type of stuff. But I wanted to share this with you because I have found it to be exceptionally helpful over the years and something, uh, you know, this is being taped in uh, 2023. I've really been working on this probably for the last four or five years, and it's really kind of come together. So first of all, let's just talk about the essence of something. Essence of something really is its fundamental nature, its inherent characteristics, right? It makes something what it is and distinguishes it from other things. And when you're looking at the essence of something, it's not necessarily something you're going to find like in a dictionary or Wikipedia or out there. And, and even these days, if you if you ask chat GBT for the essence of something, I don't find it really comes up. Uh, it's just something that you kind of boil down. And um, to me, what I, what I do is I talk to my clients about, I'll ask them, what is an emotion, right? And they'll say it's a feeling or they'll say, you know, it's this, this, this sensation and kind of whatever. And I say, well, for our purposes, what we want to do is we want to look as, at an emotion as a reflexive reaction. I'm going to say that again, a reflexive reaction. So if we're going to understand an emotion, we have to think about what is a reflex? Well, a reflex automated response. So you go to the doctor's office, he takes that little rubber hammer and hits your knee, right? Reflexively, your knee swings out. It's an automatic thing. The only way it's not going to happen is if you're prepared for it and you try to inhibit it. You might be walking along and trip and be falling. Reflexively, your hands will reach out to brace your fall. I think it's important that we kind of understand this because emotion is a reflexive reaction. There is no pause. Um, the only way to kind of pause ultimately is to expect it. Now, that's not 100% true, but for our purposes, we want to kind of understand it that way. Now, a feeling, in my little model here, is the physical manifestation of an emotion. So when you're feeling angry or feeling frustrated, that's a physical manifestation that you are in an emotional state. Now, with that being said, that's a little bit of the groundwork here, but we take a look at ADHD. Presently, in the year 2023, the Diagnostic Statistics Manual, which is like the official guide where you diagnose people, um, when you look up ADHD, emotions are not a part of the diagnostic criteria, right? Um, it was a part of it back before, I can't remember, it's 1968 or 1970, but it was removed at that time. We're not exactly sure why. We think it's just because emotions were difficult to measure at that point in time. With all that said now, you talk to any uh, thought leader on ADHD, and a emotions are a huge part of ADHD, if not like the major part. And so I'm a big fan of Dr. Russell Barkley's executive functioning model. And if you listen to the show, you know that. I think the model is incredible because it has repeatable patterns that are explained by the model, and emotions are an executive function. Now, as an aside, there are other executive function models out there, and the reason I like Dr. Barclay so much is he looks at emotions and executive function in and of itself. A lot of the other models commingle emotions with different executive functions as they're defined, and I think that kind of clouds the subject. But understanding that emotions is an executive function and understanding that a major executive function is self-regulation, really to kind of pause and uh, ponder override, uh, not be impulsive. Not have some self-control. And so we begin to 
understand this, two things that you need to regulate, one is attention and one is emotion. And a lot of times people are coming to coaching because they're focused, I need, I can't pay attention, they're not regulating it. But really emotions often are a bigger part of ADHD and understand if your emotions are dysregulated, then your attention is dysregulated. I'll say it again. When your emotions are dysregulated, then your attention is also dysregulated. So we can begin to understand why emotions is a big part of this conversation. Now, let's talk about like emotions. And again, this is the world according to Jeff in my model. Is emotions, when you are in an emotional state, you have an automatic uh, response and you actually bypass thinking. So think of it like this. Imagine that you're on safari in uh, Africa and you're dumb enough to get out of the truck and go walking around and all of a sudden a lion leaps from behind a bush right and it's coming at you in that moment you feel threatened with your life all right that's the emotion your brain goes into a fight flight or freeze state when you're in that emotional state you don't even know who you are or what you're doing you're just reacting and I want to emphasize there's no thinking here right so imagine you're hauling ass back to the truck, and you make it in and slam the door before the lion starts pouncing on the truck, so you escape. Heart's kind of pounding and everything. Now, remember this. I'm going to come back to this a little bit later. When you are in that fight, flight, or freeze state, right, again, you're reacting. You're not thinking. Now, first responders, Marines, policemen, firemen, et cetera, if you notice, they train over and over and over. Like in an emergency situation, when you're in that state, okay, everybody, don't panic. That's the pause. Let's stop and kind of calm down, okay? When you're in that fight, flight, or freeze state, right, you're not actually thinking. When you kind of stop, calm down, you're basically trying to bring your thinking brain online so that it can begin to – you can assess the situation. I want to reemphasize this. Emotions is a reflexive response, and first responders, they train to practice not going into that state to, 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 to go through the motions and so they're, they're, they have what you call muscle memory so that they're not emotionally reacting to things in that, in that manner so that they can deal with the situation that's at hand. So tell you what, let's go to break. When we come back, I want to expand upon this because I want to get to ultimately kind of what's kind of going on in the management of emotions and how they impact some stuff. So our secret word uh, tonight is essence. Secret word tonight's essence, and with that, we'll be right back after these messages. Your life, your world, your choice. This is Attention Talk Radio. Are you always late? The Time Timer is an award-winning time management solution that's helped millions of people with ADHD manage life better. As time passes, Time Timer's bright red disc disappears. Visit Timetimer.com and use the discount code ATR for 15% off. Transform lives as a professionally trained ADHD coach at the ADD Coach Academy. ADHD coaching is in demand, a calling, and a career. Learn how you can change your lives by going to addca.com slash ATR. That's addca.com slash ATR. Managing ADHD is about pausing before you ponder and proceed. This opportunity to practice pausing is being brought to you by digcoaching.com. And now, back to Attention Talk Radio. Welcome back, everybody. We're having a, a little conversation with you, kind of the world according to Jeff, uh, a model that I use in coaching to kind of help people step out of their emotions and look at them as an object so that we can be kind of manage them a little bit. 
Um, before the break, we were really defining emotion as a reflexive reaction. Feeling is the physical manifestation of an emotion. Touching on the fact that emotions are a survival mechanism into us to, to, uh, to, to do things and survive. Now, I say that we begin to understand this a little bit. If I could, like years ago, I was a high adventure scoutmaster and I was backpacking with a whole bunch of boys on the Appalachian Trail. And one day I saw, we saw a copperhead snake, yeah, namesake, right? Like about 20 feet away. We're not in peril. It's like, wow, that's kind of cool. It's over there. It's slowly off the other direction. Well, the next morning I'm walking on a trail and all of a sudden I look down, I start freaking out. And I look, whoa, 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 wait a second. It's not a snake, it's a stick. In that moment, what happened was my mind went to fight, fight, or freeze, right? As I sat there and I was able to bring my thinking brain online and look at it objectively, I was able to realize that what what looked like a snake was actually a stick, and then I was able to calm down. Now, that's how you downregulate emotion is you've got to stop, know that you're emotional, pause, don't panic, and think. Emotional self-regulation is probably the easiest thing for me to describe, the most difficult thing for an individual to actually do. Uh, as an aside – while it was about preschools, if you Google Attention Talk Radio Sesame Street, I did an interview with Autumn Satani from Sesame Street around that, what they were doing with uh, Sesame Street and Muppets to try to help kids understand. So if you want to understand that as a process, that might be something to listen to. So, so when we begin to understand this, we understand that's a survival mechanism, okay? And we, we go into the world where our brain can't really tell like a real life-threatening experience from a perceived life-threatening experience or an anticipated. We just actually kind of react to some of that stuff. And actually, I kind of get this out of turn. Let me come back to that. Let's go back to um, survival mechanism and emotions from the brain. You're in Africa. The lion jumped out, and you escaped peril. So now you're home back in the United States. Okay, As a survival mechanism, that horrific traumatic experience okay your brain captures it and your brain is like on on guard for clues so that it doesn't put itself in peril again so now you're back in the states and you're walking around and all of a sudden you start experiencing lots of anxiety and actually start a panic attack and freaking out well you might be walking across some bushes or near some bushes you've now associated those bushes with a trauma and so you begin to have this traumatic reflexive emotional response right i saw the snake the next day i started having this response so i'm, I'm i don't want to this this is a very oversimplified so you you know you don't be quoting this with everybody but kind of and in the psychology world when you have trauma i mean deep trauma your brain kind of protects itself by blocking that kind of stuff out which is why i have no business going there but that's why therapists are really 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 good is because while they're not in the foreground of what you're doing, they do have an impact in your world. In fact, I, I, I have a limit on how I can coach people if there's a lot of traumatic experiences because it has an impact on their behavior. But we can begin to understand how we kind of start to make these associations, and that brain goes into this, this state as a feeling threatened is good. It's a survival mechanism, right? You might have been a kid and touched a hot stove when it was red, right? You've associated that with a, that peril, and you might see something else that resembles the stove. And you're like, hmm, I feel like I shouldn't touch that, right? A lot of times your, your feelings are spot on. Like, yeah, you're protecting yourself. But other times your feelings actually deceive you. Like that's a venomous snake and it's actually a stick. thing here is we don't always kind of check in and, and pause and question our feelings. So all that said, I want to just – we kind of teed that up a little there. But I also kind of want to shift now a little bit and say – 
if we begin to understand ADHD as a survival mechanism and we are not actually thinking in those moments, okay, where some of you are going to argue with me that this isn't true, but in everyday life, it begins to show up. So when you say, I feel, remember, a feeling is the physical manifestation of an emotion, right? You say, I feel, you actually are not thinking. You are reflexively jumping to a conclusion. Reflexively, I had jumped to a conclusion that that snake was a stick. It wasn't until I stopped and thought that I realized that it wasn't a snake and it was actually a stick. Okay? So in the ADD world, you might feel threatened. It happens a lot. A lot of times neurotypicals will come to people with ADHD in peace. They're there because they're generally concerned. But as they approach the person with ADHD and they're talking to them, they might be touching on an area that's a challenge. Well, that doesn't feel good. It feels threatening, right? And they, they react reflexively and fight back, even when the person's coming in peace. Because it's not, it's not the situation isn't what's really happened. It's how you feel about the situation, right? Reflexively, if you feel threatened, you're going to do that. A lot of times, you know, you might have had some past issues where people were very critical of you, and now they're coming in peace. Well, you've you're, you got a very itchy t- emotional trigger, and so you're fighting back like every, any, anything that's kind of come in because we've had this kind of ex- this traumatic experience a little bit. So where I'm going with this is a lot of times I'll have like this is, this is a normal thing. Like I feel like that person doesn't, doesn't – like they hate me. They're rejecting me or something like that, and you might have told them a joke. And they didn't laugh. And you're reflexively jumping to the conclusion that they're, they, don't, they don't care for you. Well, that might be the case. If you think about it, well, they might not have your sense of humor. right? Or they might not have been in the mood for a joke that day. Or they just might not have thought that was funny. Those are all alternatives. right? But reflexively, right, you feel like you're jumping to a conclusion. When I'm kind of going with this stuff is you realize how you're bypassing the thinking process. There's a lot of great words out there. Forget fear, forget everything and run, or false evidence appearing real. Another one I, I love is thinking is difficult. That's why people judge, right? Is the only exercise you get in a day jumping to conclusions? These are all words that are out there or, or, or things that we say that are representative of this fact is when you're in that emotional state, you're not actually thinking. Now, you might have thoughts. Don't get me wrong. Okay? But an emotional thought is different from an objective thought. Oh, my God, I'm going to die because of a snake. Well, that's an emotional thought. An objective thought is, well, that's just a stick. Right? And there's an interesting line here. When you really are in a situation where you can discern your emotional thoughts from your objective thoughts, I've had that happen in my life before where I was – I still was emotional, but I could say I had two sets of thoughts. One was the emotions, and I'm like, they're not rational. Like this is the real situation. I still had the emotion, but I was able to sit there and say, like, I need to pay attention to the facts, not necessarily those feelings, right? Helping people discern that difference in coaching is a little bit difficult because you're so consumed with those, those feelings, they, the, the, those thoughts. They, they feel real um, based off of your maybe history of judgment. Uh, coming together on that stuff. So, so anyway, again, what we're doing so far is we're talking about, you'll notice is, is more and more I'm talking about a feeling as a reflexive reaction that you're really having a hard time overriding 
And it takes a level of self-awareness to know that you're in an emotional state in order for you to downregulate and override it. I've emphasized that first responders, they train on a regular basis. Why am I saying that? Because this shows how difficult this really is. It's not just necessarily that easy. So with that, I'm going to go to break. So we're going to get back to translating and how this translates every day. Our secret word tonight is essence. Again, our secret word tonight is essence. And with that, we'll be right back after these messages. You're listening to Attention Talk Radio. We'll return in a moment. Your life, your world, your choice. This is Attention Talk Radio. Change your life by learning more about managing ADHD. Other places give you a few tips. The ADD Coach Academy will change your life. To find out more, go to addca.com slash ATR. That's addca.com slash ATR. Are you always late? The Time Timer is an award-winning time management solution that's helped millions of people with ADHD manage life better. As time passes, Time Timer's bright red disc disappears. Visit Timetimer.com and use the discount code ATR for 15% off. Could hiring an attention coach really help you move forward? (laughs) Does a child get wet when they dive into a swimming pool? You can get started moving forward today. Just call Dig Coaching Practice at 813-837-8084 and schedule a free consultation. Tell us you heard about us on Attention Talk Radio and get 50% off your discovery session. For more information, visit digcoaching.com. Don't delay. Do it today. And now, back to Attention Talk Radio. Welcome back, everybody, to our little discussion on the world according to Jeff and how to look at emotions to understand what's going on and what we're trying to do in order to manage emotions and ADHD. As an aside, I often coach people that are actually seeing therapists, and it's, it's really interesting because, you know, there's a lot of really good therapists out there that do some really good work, but they don't really understand ADD. And one of the common things I'll, I'll hear is that a therapist will have a person with ADHD go journal about something. Now, I'm going to pause here for a second. If you listen to Attention Talk Radio over the years, I talk a lot about working memory. It's an executive function. It's an impaired and oversimplified people, whether you want to admit it or not, Thinking's impaired inside your head if you have ADHD. You can think outside your head, all right, but inside is more difficult. More on that, Google Attention Talk Radio GPS, and you'll hear an interview I did with Dr. Barkley on the topic. Note at the end of it, we conclude that sometimes paper is high-tech for people with ADHD because it's externalizing the thinking process. So thinking is difficult for people with ADHD. They, they, they Emotionally, they resist it. So let's go back to the therapist. When the therapist is actually getting you to journal, they're basically getting you to think. When you write things down, you actually have to think those thoughts, and you put them there, and you dwell on them. And then what they're trying to do is try to help bring tangibility. Like that's not a snake. I mean that's, a, that's not a snake. It's a stick, right? It's a thinking process effectively. Now, I'll be honest with you, I don't know if that's true. I just hear about that, and I go, well, from my perspective as a coach, that would make some sense to me. And I would tell the people with ADHD is like, here's what they're trying to get you to do. They want you to think about this. Well, emotionally, it's too tedious for you to sit there and write because it takes too long or your thoughts come too fast. Well, why don't you say it to somebody out loud? The point really is, is they want you to process it and think about it. That's why they're doing the exercise. So that's just a little bit of a side. So let's get back to the ADD world. So the way it manifests is people with ADHD will look at like time. I am time blindness. Well, be honest with you, time is really not the issue. 
when you have ADHD, it's thinking, it's visualizing, it's actually seeing the future, right? You have to stop and go, I got people with ADHD at 2 o'clock. Oh, oh my God, I got to go. Well, they didn't think, well, it's going to take me 15 minutes to get there, so I really should get ready 15 minutes before him. But then they don't think, by the time I get my wallet and cell phone in the car now, that's five minutes, but then I've got to park my car, and then I've got to go up the elevator. Hmm, I need to meet 25 minutes early. That's thinking, okay? So I know this sounds kind of crazy, but it's difficult for you to think. And as a result, emotionally, you don't want to do that, so you just don't do it, remember? You, you bypass thinking. You're in an emotional state. You actually just assume, right, if I leave it to, like, I'm going to figure out when I kind of get there. Again, I, probably people are arguing with me, but some of you, like, if you really listen to this, it really starts to make a lot of sense. So managing that is an emotional escape from the difficult thinking. What's always funny to me are people that struggle with time, and they say they're a struggle with time, but they actually don't think, you know, if I really struggle with time, what I should do is I should just double how long I think it should take. But they don't do that. Because emotionally, I have to stop and think about it. Again, and this is – you see how this reflexive – you start to understand this a little bit. You start to really understand emotions are prevalent. It's really about kind of pausing and sitting discomfort for a second and actually overriding that, which is a lot of what coaching is all about, right? Pausing and thinking about what you're doing. Pausing and thinking about what you're doing. Now, again, we're talking about the essence of emotions, but – and again, this is the world according to Jeff. But I have a lot of people who will come in and say, well, I'm not doing that because of fear. Well, fear is an emotional reaction. And I'm like trying to get them to like, let's, let, let's, let's forget about the fear. I got fear of taking that test. Why? Well, because I failed that algebra test over and over and over. Well, let's look at You failed it. Oh, you didn't study for it correctly. Like you, were, you don't really know how to study. That's why you failed it. All right. See, it's not a snake. It's a stick. Well, how can you study? Well, this is an efficient way of study. Well, let's study that way, and you might find that you get a better grade. Understand is that fear is a reflexive response to that outcome. The idea is to downregulate the emotion and say, well, what was going on, and why did you get that outcome? What can we do different to get a different outcome? It's sometimes very difficult for people that are very emotionally sensitive to get them to stop and think to solve the problem. They just keep going to fear. They jump to a conclusion, right? It's hard to do that. Another thing that will happen, and, and there's – this is a generalization because there's a trauma thing on here that, that this is justified, but I'm just trying to show you how this kind of plays out. When thinking is really, really difficult or when you're in a really complex situation, believe it or not, emotions are actually somewhat stimulating. Your brain goes to them, okay? Negative self-talk or shame, actually, when you weirdly, pervertedly, is actually comforting. So there's an incentive to go to that, to get out of doing or out of being uncomfortable. Again, I'm not a therapist. I'm not a mental health professional. I'm just a coach. And I've actually talked to people before when I'm coaching is if you begin to think about that, your brain is going in the opposite direction. Linda McNevins one time said you can't treat ADHD through the lens of shame and blame. And so for some people that are really, really emotional, this doesn't help. But if I can help them begin to see this happen, they can catch themselves and realize, oh, my brain's going to that negative self-talk. Okay, I'll let myself call myself an idiot for a couple seconds, but really what I need to do is get back and do the thinking part in order to kind of get back in on track. So I know this sounds strange, and a lot of people are going to argue with me, but if you really think about it, again, emotions are stimulating shame and 
And I guess self-talk or self-soothing, and if you look at it, is like when you're in that space, you actually don't do anything. You don't have to do the work. Um, I did do a, uh, another show with this with uh, Dr. Roberto Olivardia, I don't know, like a year ago. So anyway, so the point of all this stuff really is, is if we look at an emotion as a reflexive reaction. Now, you could be happy. You could be sad. You could be angry. You could be frustrated. All, all that stuff. There's good emotions. There's bad emotions. So I don't look at an emotion as a as a good thing or bad thing. I mean, it's only a characteristic. It's how it's manifest that creates the problem. So people with ADHD struggle a lot with being able to manage their emotion, to stop and think, to stop and think, not to judge. When you call yourself a procrastinator, <clears throat> that's name-calling. One of the things that I do is I prove to people is there's no such thing as procrastination. If you're not doing something, there's a legitimate reason why you're not doing it. You've got to stop and acknowledge what the legitimate reason and solve for it. Calling yourself a procrastinator doesn't solve for that problem. It just makes you feel bad. So – in totality, I've described the essence of this, and from the outside, kind of mechanically what's going on still when you're in that moment, right, and you're, you've got a lot of tough tasks, and they're coming at you, and you're feeling a lot of pressure. Recognize it's hard not to go to fight, fight, or freeze, or overwhelm, or paralyze in those moments. Um, but for some of you, if I can help you begin to understand is you're going to that, and that's an emotional state, and usually the answer is you've got to pause, don't panic. And you have to engage your thinking brain. That's the way out um, most of the time. And sometimes the way out is like a lot of times people with ADHD, you probably need to get help to get the way out. And a lot of people resist that. Um, again, this is, sounds kind of strange. A lot of people with ADHD lack emotional self you know, self-awareness because emotionally they don't want to confront themselves and they say they, they have ADHD or own it. So they're reflexively they kind of respond uh, by not – Rephrased. There's a lot of people who know a lot about ADHD because they struggle. The ones that really thrive are the ones that own it. And the difference really often between those two is that there's an emotional resistance to having the self-awareness of doing what you kind of need to do. So anyway, all right, need to pull this together. Bottom line is I came on. There's all kinds of stuff out there, different models, different ways there's a gazillion different lenses that people use in order to kind of help manage this, but kind of like I wanted to kind of get on the other side of the curtain from my perspective and the lens of Dr. Barclay's executive function model and say that emotion has a lot to do with this, this challenge and this, this thing that's kind of going on. So it's really a lot about managing that, which goes back to telling you steps to manage emotions is probably the easiest thing I can ever describe, but it's really difficult for you to do. And so sometimes it's really helpful to get somebody to help you with it because people with ADHD aren't extreme. It's like, as I say, you know, if it's something basic, it's pretty easy. But when it gets more complicated, I'm not so sure it's really a do-it-yourself project. A lot of times you really want to get some help. So anyway, I hope that you have found this somewhat insightful um, or somewhat thoughtful, um, kind of mull on a little bit. Um, managing emotions is a bit of a challenge, but I mean, you can actually do it. Human beings are the only animal that actually can change their emotions if they try. So with that, again, our secret word tonight is um, essence. Hope you've enjoyed tonight. Catch us next week for another great edition of Attention Talk Radio. Take care.